So this meeting is being recorded. This meeting is being recorded. There you go. Okay, good evening, everyone. Well, evening where I am, night or morning to you if you're somewhere else in the world. Um, welcome to our first workshop in um, the series of virtual workshop series for Afrowave TO. This is our third year. So if you've been joining us from 2020, thank you so much for supporting and continuing to come in and soak up all this information. Um, if it is your first time, welcome to our workshop series. Um, we have six that we've had lined up for you this year. We have um, over a dozen Canadian music industry professionals that have decided to give us their time and insights and information. And we really, really appreciate that. Um, so welcome again, just to kind of give everybody a little bit of a rundown on how we usually do these workshops. Um, so the first hour, we'll just kind of have a talk with the panelists, find out some more about them, their experience. Um, today we have music creation as our topic. So we have a sound engineer experience that we're going to hear about production, um, songwriting, and all that good stuff. Um, and then afterwards, we'll have a 30-minute slot just allotted to your questions as attendees. Um, there is a button, a Q&A button that's specifically for the Q&A section. So when you're ready, you can send your question there instead of in the chat. It just kind of makes it um, easier to navigate and make sure that I don't miss anyone. So feel free to do that. You can send your question as soon as you have it. You don't have to actually wait until that 30 minute slot. Um, and then once we get to Q&A, then I'll try to get to everybody's questions. All right, so let's get started. Just a little bit about me. Um, my name is Karis. I am singer, songwriter, music producer, all around creative. If there's something creative, I will try it. <laughs> um, spent most of my time in the creative side of the industry, but you know, growing, getting older, getting more experience, I kind of found a lot of inspiration in the business side as well and developed an interest in that side. I went to Harris Institute to kind of go and develop on my business knowledge in the industry. And all of that led me to Afrowave TO, where I currently am director of operations. I am in charge of these workshops that we'll be having for the next six weeks. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to doing that. Uh, we have Denise with us today. We have Jason and we have Demi, all industry professionals who've been doing the songwriting and music production and engineering for a long time and are all excited to be here to just kind of share this information with you. I will allow them to kind of give you a little bit of what they've done up until this point. If you need their full bios, it's on the Eventbrite um, event page that you click to sign in to the workshop. You can always go back and, and refer to that. And afterwards, I'll just kind of have them give us any other information or where we can find more about what they're doing um, and what they'll be up to in the coming months. So Denise, ladies first, I guess we'll start with you. 
Hello, everybody. My name is Denise Young. I'm an artist, uh, producer, and songwriter from Toronto, Canada. Um, and I, I started off as an artist and a songwriter, and through that, it kind of led me into the production world as well as a bit of the engineering world. Um, so I've been doing it for over 10 years now. And um, I've also been a Juno, uh, I guess, award-winning producer. Uh, I did some work on Havaya Mighty's recent project. So that's uh, definitely a highlight of my career up to date. Um, I've done some work with uh, Bacardi through their Music Liberates Music campaign, um, had some Netflix uh, placements, um, and uh, I can't think of anything else as my brain is frozen too, but I've also released my own solo projects as well that are self-produced, and um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to continuing on this wave of creating great music. <laughs> Okay, we'll pick on you, Damien, for, for next. But I got it to work. Um, <laughs> as Curry as said, I'm Damien Knight. I, um, I'm the owner of D1 Recording Studio. I run a record label. Um, I'm an artist as well. And it started really long time ago. And uh, that venture started me into thinking, well, maybe I can do more than being an artist because I couldn't get all the things that I needed to get done from the producers that I used to produce. But then I started producing and learning to play music. And then that led me into seeing that there wasn't any engineers that was going to be able to give me the sound that I needed. And so I ended up building D1 Recording Studio. And um, one thing led to another. And, the research on sound is really where I found myself now, like the overall sound and texture of sound and tone of sound is what I, I, I think is my, my focus now. Being so far out of it now, even being so far in it, I, I kind of have a love for the entire thing. And it, it just seems like this great, huge thing that I didn't sign up for when I started, but now I'm a part of, um, so when I take on the sound, I kind of see it in like a, a multi-dimensional way where it's more than just um, being an artist now, being a songwriter. It's all these other things. Uh, I've been a judge on the Junos, um, uh, lots of songs. I've mixed like countless of songs. I've produced countless of songs and uh, worked with everybody from Avado to Chris, one of my favorite artists. <laughs> Um, to myself, like produce my own stuff, Amari Banks, um, a lot of Car like Caribbean hit songs too, and um, uh, still growing, still just as much fired up about music today as I was when I started, and still think that there's just so much more to know and so much more ways to grow in it, and um, glad to be here to share what I know. Thank you. Uh, just before we get uh, Jason and go in here, uh, one thing that we do as a workshop series tradition is everyone that's in now, you know, if you feel like it, not forcing everybody to do anything here, but um, you can just send a little bit about yourself in terms of where you're tuning in from um, and 
what you do in the industry. If you are just an admirer of the music industry, you can throw that in there too. Um, but just your name, where you're tuning in from, and and what you do. Uh, Jason, you can go ahead. Hey, thank you. Um, my name is Jason Reynolds. Most people know me as Reds. I've uh, been an audio engineer professionally for 18 years. Um, I, I, my passion is is really live sound and production. I'm production manager for Shaggy for eight years. I'm touring monitor engineer and tour manager for Stephen Marley. I'm also the technical director for the Marley Brothers. Um, tour manager for Magic, good old Canadian group. Um, and a tour manager and front of host engineer for Julie Black. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've been a studio engineer also for, I went to, I studied recording engineering. Um, I've been a freelance uh, recording engineer and mix engineer for 16 years. I, I work predominantly out of Metalworks Studios in Mississauga. I also have my own studio. I started a record label during COVID with my good friend and business partner and our first um, release, Charted. Um, it's a release that uh, was actually produced by Black Orchid, a, a, a Toronto-based um, mm -hmm. producer, and and pretty excited about it, pretty happy about what it's done. It was a song with Red Rat called This Summer. So yeah, pretty excited to, to be here and um, share my knowledge with the community. I, I, I call Toronto home. I'm, Hardly here. I happen to be here this week, but um, I do call Toronto home. So, like everybody's running away from Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, music is global. I mean, that's that's yeah. the good thing. Um, I think that's one thing too that you know, when you thought it couldn't get any more global, COVID hit us all. And um, I think last year I was even saying like, I. I'm so used to just kind of going in and seeing the whole process in studio, but having created something like in my bedroom and then send it to someone to add their stuff to it. And then they send it to somebody else to get mixed. It's like, it just became an even bigger, more global process. Um, just kind of shows you that there are very little limitations on, you know, stuff like, like music creation and creativity mm -hmm. and imagination. So that is, what we're here to talk about, just explore every single thing that we can um, while we have these panelists just on, on music creation. Um, Denise, I'm gonna throw it back to you in terms of just telling us how you got into creating music. Um, well, I think a, a huge thing for me was uh, at a time when I was growing up, I didn't really feel like I had the access to uh, you know studios and learning how to produce. And um, I think that's a uh, you know, different story, especially being female and you know, trying to find those spaces and those places mm -hmm. where you could learn comfortably. So um, I wanted to learn how to produce my own music. I was writing um, kind of in the artist world and I always just used to kind of mess around on a little keyboard and try and create my own songs. Um, and then I said one day, I said, you know what? I'm gonna go to school for this. So I went to school and uh, I did a recording arts program and that's where I started to get into the production and just kind of grew from there. But yeah, it really it really started off of just the, this desire of wanting to, you know, kind of selfishly, I guess, make my own music, which I'm sure for a lot of people, it's that same way. Yeah. How about you, Jason? 
Yeah, I mean, my, I, I guess my past is a little bit different because I, um, as much as I grew up around music, so my dad um, was very close friends with um, some of the members of the, the band Black Uhuru. Um, so my dad spent a lot of time in Waterhouse while, while I was growing up. Um, and and like Zico from who's who was Bob Marley's percussionist was is a close friend of the family was a close friend of the family rest in peace Zico passed away um, earlier this year, but um, I never really my parents never really wanted me to get into music they're like traditional Caribbean parents so they never really music wasn't really a profession that um, was was really promoted in my home in actually in in fact um, as much as my dad was so close to the music industry my mom. We were raised Christian, and I didn't. I wasn't really allowed to listen to reggae music um, growing up. My first, um, my first, my first introduction to reggae music was a friend of mine brought um, Buju's first CD, Till Shiloh, um, brought it to school and loaned it to me. And I used to have to leave the CD. I used to put the CD on a concrete block in the garden when I got home because I couldn't carry it inside my house. But um, after hearing his voice, like something kind of you know my my interest in music and my exploration of music sort of began there i was um was probably about 10 at the time or 11 10 or 11 years old at the time when that when that album first came out and so that was but i still never thought it, it could be a career when i moved to canada in 2004 now i started doing live sound before then it was really when i moved to canada in 2004 i was studying e-commerce um at durham college and I got an email one day from the owner of Metalworks, Gilmore, and I don't. Up to this day, I really, I still don't know where Gil got my email address from or my contact information. I guess it, you could call it fate. But um, he messaged me and he said, "You know, we're starting a school um, in the studio for people who would be interested in studying recording engineering." And I immediately dropped out at Durham College and I enrolled. <laughs> and my my mother didn't talk to me for like two weeks, <laughs> um, and the rest is history, as they say. I just, I just um, figured out and found out that music could be a career. I mean, it was tough in the in the early days. I've I've always been a freelancer, so I've never really had a job, so to speak, in the music industry. I've had to kind of chart my own course and make my own way. But God has been good, and um, you know, I'm I'm here to tell the story today. Um, have multiple businesses in the industry, but yeah, that my path was. It's not like I always knew that mm -hmm. I had some crazy talent. I I refused to go to piano lessons when I was a kid. So <laughs> now now I wish I I did. But you know. it's funny. It's funny how that works because um, it's kind of similar for me in terms of now I'm trying to like crank down on my theory. Um, I've known Damien for a very long time. He was the first person that I recorded with, actually, which is how we know each other. Um, so I give him a chance to kind of get into how you got into music soon. But um, at that time, for me, it was just kind of like, uh, I feel like if I go to school, it's going to give me too much structure. And it's going to mess up my creative thing. So I kind of shunned the theory a little bit. And now I'm just like, no, I need to know this. Because like I'm in rooms of people who are saying, C minor and all this stuff, and I, I just play like I don't know what you what you're talking about. <laughs> so I think that's a very very good point, but also to just kind of related 
to some parts of your story in terms of, I, I was lucky enough. And the more I hear other people's story, the more I realize how, how not even lucky, blessed enough to be in a family that really, really encouraged um, just my creative endeavors. And my, my dad was all out in terms of getting me stuff for music. Um, but I grew up with like in a very Christian home. Um, I think what kind of separated um, just everything that was going on in terms of like church and, and me doing secular music um, was my dad grew up, well, he listened to a lot of Shade, Tony Braxton, Lauren Hill. So he had me listening to a lot of that, but then I'd be in my mom's car and it's like Brooklyn Tabernacle and you know cc winers and nicole c mullen so i kind of grew up seeing that that kind of dynamic which i think gave me a really interesting um just outlook on mm. music and as well because now you have like secular elements and like religious elements that come together so it's it's very interesting i didn't have to hide my cds i'm so glad i didn't have to hide my cds but um like yourself too i left i was actually at ryerson um, because of that kind of traditional, I, I don't know if it's just Jamaican or if it's Caribbean, but that thing of like, oh, music can't be the plan A, like music has to be the plan B. So I was at Rice and I'm like, let me go get a, another degree so that if this doesn't work out, then, you know, I have a backup plan. Um, because even being back in Jamaica as an adult, like in 2022, music still isn't pushed as a, as a, possible career it's kind of like a, oh if you're boss you're boss like if you make it good for you but it's not like pushed as a career so it's interesting like to actually come to canada and and have a music production class you know in grade 10 like it's a completely different outlook um but that's why i ended up leaving ryerson in, in the second year and decided to go study music so it's just it's interesting just how how much your background can affect where you actually you know, end up in, in music and music creation and just your approach to it all. Um, Demi, how did you get into creating and creating music? Well, for me, like, I, uh, hopefully the voice is too bothersome. Building is a rehearsal building too, so there's like crazy noise going on at the same time. But um, I grew up in, well, growing up in Jamaica for me, uh, there was something about the audience and people and the love that they have for music. And then I remember going up on stage and singing a Michael Jackson song and seeing how people reacted to me, not knowing the words, but just the, the pandemonium and excitement of this little kid going up. And I'm like, wow, people like, I, I got to feel what it meant to people to be a part of music and not just being a part of music, like to be a star. Like I grew up in Jamaica playing soccer and like having a lot of our audience growing up, right? So like, that feeling of that but then me not knowing the lyrics i was like nah i can't come up here and embarrass myself this was like i was like five or six i'm like when you when, like my 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 belief is that if you're going to display something it's got to be at the highest level that you can produce it at right and so that feeling of hey if i'm going to do something it's going to be at the best that brought me all the way from a kid in jamaica coming to Toronto when I was like 13, 
going to high school in the city and them not letting us get into the studio. Cause I remember like, they just wouldn't let us in. There was a studio in my school and they wouldn't let us into the studio. They would only let a certain type of children into the studio that are the good kids that are, you know what I'm talking about. So um, doing that, when I was going to school, we had records. Uh, this, I mean, it's, we're not that old, but it's still like sound system had records and they would release the records and we would go get the records and then turn over on the other side to where the version was and then record on them in their house or whatever, right? And then I, I started realizing that, hey, nobody was gonna make us a beat because we weren't in Jamaica. So we were gonna, I'm gonna have to learn how to do that. And then it just got all the way to where uh, built the studio, went back to Jamaica, built the studio in Maxwell Avenue spent all of that time working with all of those legends in Jamaica from Flabberhold, Benjamin, Dalton Brownie, God rest his soul too. Like just so many people that I used to just work with and see on a day-to-day -day basis. And then living in Canada, I never thought there was a music industry here. I, and I still don't believe that. I don't believe that um, the people here don't see music as an actual viable income. In Jamaica, when you're a professional at music, it's a viable source of earning for people who are at the pro level, right? Even when you're a pro in Toronto, if you tell people you do music, it's like, <laughs> you do music, okay. <laughs> like, it's like, it's still like, a, even, you, could have a, you could have a Grammy. I know guys that, that live in the city that are like big time and it's still not like, you know, whatever. But that's where I started from with music. Like, and then um, the, the life in itself and, and the feelings that you get out of life force you to write. And for me, my creative outlet is music, whether it's reaching millions of people or just just a way to like unbottle what's inside of me to get it out. So from production to, to songwriting to singing, it's just about that feeling and being able to, to take something from inside of me and bring it outside of me into the reality that was never here before. And I think it's one of the divine gifts that God gives us where we can take something from our soul, nobody can see it, and then take it and bring it here. And, and on top of that, as a producer, to then see artists come in and be one with them and then take their dream with my dream and cultivate that into reality. It's the most awesome thing creatively to be able to do, to, to be able to fuse yourself not only with yourself, internally but other people and bring it to life so it's um that's my thing and then it's just growing more and more so mm -hmm. that's my, my my position with it right now so far so far who knows where it's going <laughs> um before before we i get you to mute there um just kind of explain to us since we already have you here just how you turned you know your passion for music into a business because I think that's that's kind of what we want to hit on for this workshop. A lot of people, um, some that may be on now, it's still in that hobby stage. Like I love to do this. I know I love to do this. I'll spend hours on this thing more than everything else. Um, but I wouldn't quite call myself a professional artist as yet. So how? And I know, um, like for Jason, it's live sound. Um, Denise is in many aspects of it in terms of creating and, and all of that. But what was that step? Or even if you remember a particular um, experience, what, where did you get to, to like say to yourself, yeah, this is professional for me now? 
And what was that transition like? What steps did you have to take to kind of get it to, to establish a professional career and, and keep that going? I think for me is when um, I, I realized that I, never, I didn't want to go to school. I went to York, I have a degree in sociology and I just, I didn't think school was going to be where I'm going to learn what I want to learn in Because I want to learn the secret things of music, not the things that everybody know. And I, 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 growing up in Jamaica, I grew up with sound, like I could hear crickets, like, you know, I record crickets outside. Like, I think, I think God made sound, man didn't make it. So I don't need to learn it from a guy. I can learn that from God. So for me, when I went to Jamaica, it's thinking I'm going to go learn in Jamaica how to make music. So I, bought, I took all my gear, shipped everything to Jamaica, opened my studio in Kingston. Well, in Mandible first, where I met you. And then I moved to Kingston. I had the studio there. And then I started realizing people were coming to me to give them advice about how to get their thing going. And people started to model their studio after my studio, like building the sound in my space. And when I realized that, I said, because I went there to learn, not to, to, to actually be a pro, just obsessed with it, wanted to just go at it. Then when I went there, I realized, now I'm at the point when I was in Kingston that I'm gonna do this. This is what I'm gonna do for the rest of my life. Oh, I think we must end it. Okay, we'll just get, hold on a second. Probably press the end button by accident. Oh, that is a possibility. I've seen um, that. Last time his finger reached down. Oh, okay, okay. So maybe we um, press well, we'll just give him a second to kind of get back in. Um, Denise, do you want to just tell us how you went from um, I'm doing this for myself to I'm going to put this out at a professional level and I want people to kind of, when people ask me what I do, I'm going to say I'm a professional artist. Like, how did you get to that point? Um, I think oh, we have yeah. <laughs> I guess we'll just, we'll just, we were, we were switching to Denise there because we weren't sure how long it would take, no but problem, we'll just no have problem, you no um, finish up and then Denise, you can just yeah, go right. Yeah. Yeah, so so for me, after realizing, I think I think I, I personally, and I think maybe the rest of us are, have done this now, where we went in with one intention, so fully thinking it's going to be that thing, and then by being forced into other things, we stumble upon the the other thing that we're interested in. And I right now for me, it's 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 seeing it as a business more than just my hobby. And by committing so much of my time and then reaching a point where the sound starting to live with me and the music started to live in me a different way than it was before at any other point and realizing, cause it's a competitive business that I can now compete. I now know it is as a product that I can have to offer, not just as a dream anymore. It's like tangible. And that's how I decided to now make it into something real. I think when you start off in your basement and you're doing it and you're trying a thing and you can make a beat good once a year. And then you want to start being somebody that can make a beat. Every time you go up making music, you can consistently create a product that you can consistently do. And I, that's when you, I think you know that you've made it to a point where you now have a product that you can put out. And especially in the studio business, whenever anyone comes to me, I have to be able to deliver something that they, that is a product that I have all the time, right? So that's how I, I, I internalize turning myself into a pro at what I'm doing. Denise? Um, I mean, 
there I feel like there's there's different ways that it kind of happened for me. Um, when I was coming up, I was very much a fan of networking, going to different events, going to like workshops, conferences, panels, and shaking hands and meeting those people that maybe not in that second, but maybe down the road, you know, mm -hmm. something kind of happened from it and just growing a relationship out of that. And so I, like years later, there are a lot of people who, you know, still reach out to me that I've known from like way back when, you know, when they first saw me just kind of making my rounds. Um, like as, as an artist, I would get the, the, the one, two shows of like, hey, uh, exposure, or we can pay you like this, you know, fee or whatever. Um, but, but when I kind of shifted gears, when I started to think more about the production side, and mm -hmm. kind of entering that world and seeing how much people were gravitating more to that side than you know me being the artist. Um, and like a lot of that kind of happened and grew from me doing beat battle competitions. So I had done like battle of beat makers. Um, I had done um, some beat making competitions in New York and in LA. And just through that, it's like, it kind of like spreads like wildfire where people see that and then they start to reach out to you for other things, you know? And so that kind of has grown that business side of things of, you know, me getting paid. And, you know, the producer side definitely has paid the bills more than the artist side. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, for me, it was just really just kind of, I think like the biggest thing is is going from, saying to yourself you know what like I'm making this stuff in my basement cool but now I have to take my two foot down and I have to go out into the world I have to shake hands and meet those people that can make it happen otherwise it's just going to stay on the hard drive or stay on your computer so yeah that, that was like you know the turning point for me I think it's interesting that you said that because that's how you ended up on this um this panel uh I think it was 28 it was 2018 when we met at CMW it was four years ago. But actually, I think we were just in passing. Um, yeah. Was with Honey Jam. I was with the Honey Jam group. I was just like, who am I going to get on this workshop to talk about production? Um, I can bring a little bit, um, you know, something different and just kind of really contribute like a female no perspective problem. on this. Um, That's why it's and important build those relationships it is very important because you never i mean that was four almost five years ago um and it came right back around full circle so that is that is something that i think has been echoed through every single workshop um series it's been two things knowing yourself so guys were here and girls were here take notes knowing yourself and and networking those are the two things that have come up the most in like every single workshop um and i think that's very critical to remember just going through you know a career the journey of a career in the creative industry is um is knowing yourself and also being able to put yourself out there and just network with people because you never you never know where it will you know get you um can i, can I just add on to that yeah sure I think like a huge thing that's very, very important. And it sounds so simple, but you have to really believe in yourself from the beginning. 
you know, and you have to just recognize, like I remember someone had said this to me and it's one of my favorite sayings that sometimes you're going to be building the plane while you're flying it, mm. you know, so you, you set your, your, your sights on something and say, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'll figure it out along the way. And don't, don't think about like this imposter syndrome of like, I don't know, just know that you will figure it out and you will learn mm. and you'll go along the way. Uh, Jason, we're going to take it to you because you are in what I would, for me, I consider life sound like really risky business, like being in um, my my basement or in a home studio or whatever, just building beasts. There's so much room for error. I can always go back and like delete stuff, recreate stuff, come back to it the next day if I want to come back. But I think life sound is so like, on spot there's so much that could go wrong um you know even like training and and just getting into this as a career what did that look like for you so i'm i'm a little bit different from damien in the sense that um so let me let me start by saying this my 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 biggest impact on my music business career um is not a music person it was actually a financial, a guy who runs a, a massive financial services business. Um, because the principles of business can be applied to any business, right? Whether it be music or whether it be finances. So I learned the most about business from, from a guy who has 1,500 licensed financial advisors working in his brokerage. Because for me, there's... Um, I kind of break it down and, and to the to the attendees watching, we, we had no idea these questions before. So I'm trying to pull out all my everything that's in my brain that a lot of it's from experience. I'm trying to pull that out in a concise manner because I don't want to dominate the conversation. But um, it's very simple to me. If you break it down, a house is built in three major parts. You've got foundation, walls, and then you have a roof, right? Um, if you look at the foundation, for me, um, I think the foundation of building that house has to do with its two parts. One, figuring out if really what part of the music business is for you. So that's going to take some honest self-diagnosis, which sometimes um, human beings are not great at. You're going to have to look in the mirror. You're going to have to listen to your stuff and go like I did that. Listen, yeah, I can sing, but being an artist is not going to be for me. Okay. Um, I get a lot of songs to mix sometimes and I go, okay, this person needs a good talking to because this, you, you should probably, you should probably look at, there, there's other areas of the music industry that are incredibly important, right? We glamorize artists, but nobody talks about the importance of artist managers. Nobody talks about the importance of A&R people. Nobody talks about the importance of tour managers, engineers, right? All of these things, um, is what comes together to make a successful industry. So yes, the, we can't do what we do without people with talent, artists, but I understand that Shaggy also cannot do what he does without me, who cannot do what he does, right? So, so that's, that's part one is, is, is first, and you may need to get yourself what I call some truth tellers. Um, people in your life that are gonna tell you the truth that you don't have to you don't have to guess whether or not they have your best interest at heart. So sometimes when they tell you the truth, it's not going to be pleasant, but because you know that they care about you and have your best interest at heart, you can receive that information in a safe space. So that's, that's the first thing is developing 
what I call your, your personal circle, right? Of truth tellers. Then I'm a big fan of academia. So I am a big fan of bringing instant credibility to what you're trying to do, right? Because sometimes you might be on this call and you're, you're saying to yourself, well, I don't know a Benji Myers or a Dalton Brownie. Dalton Brownie was one of my favorite people. I toured with um, Robert Brownie and Shaggy's band. We're very, very close friends. Um, I may not know these people. So how do I get going into this room? Well, having some sort of credibility behind your name. No, that's not the be all and end all. The mistake I see people making too often as Damien mentioned, is they think that, okay, because I went to school, now I'm entitled to this. No, because school is going to be as much of what you put in is what you're going to get out regardless, right? So, but I'm a big fan of academia as the foundation. Then for me, the walls is networking. Once you have now that credibility that in, in many cases will lead to confidence, because if you bring some sort of education to what you're trying to do, then you'll have confidence, like you're saying with studying theory, in being in rooms and being able to speak that language because you have the credibility of the education. But you're going to have to now build on top of that foundation and education and go out there and network, right? Like you're going to, that music, this be, I haven't created a resume in 16 years of doing this professionally. I haven't, I haven't sent a resume to anybody. I haven't. Somebody asked me for a resume like a week ago, and I was like, just call this guy. And he will, like, here's my reference, call yeah. this dude. And you know what I mean? So networking is going to be the walls that you build on that foundation. And then the roof, straight up and down, is going to be you have to deliver when the opportunity comes your way. So I don't believe in luck. I often tell my students, that the magic happens at the intersection of preparation and opportunity. So there's no such thing as luck. There is you are prepared and the opportunity comes knocking and you're prepared for it. Oftentimes opportunities pass us by. We may feel the brush of opportunity. Sometimes we don't even know opportunity came to our door, but because we weren't prepared, we weren't ready to receive those opportunities, right? And so you have to work on and, and sometimes, like Denise mentioned, you're not building this one by one. You're doing this all at the same time, right? You, you put up one piece of the wall while you're putting up a piece of the roof. Like, the, you have to, you, you, you're spinning plates on, right? While you're networking, while you're getting out there, potentially even while you're build, building the foundation of education, you better be working on becoming the best possible you you can be. And you have to figure out what that's going to take what that's going to look like for me as an engineer it was finding senior engineers to me guys who had, who had been doing it longer that i could send mixes to and send board mixes to and figure out how to get better and it was working against that benchmark people like steven stanley um people like bulby out of mixing lab um people like I was sending board mixes, sending mixes to saying, yo, give, give me the real deal. I don't want to hear it sound good. I want, I want you to tear everything apart, strip by strip, and tell me what do I need to do to get better. And I don't, tell, I don't want you to tell me what to do. I don't want you to say, yeah, pull 3K out of your snare drum. I want you to tell me, yo, your snare drum has to sound better. And I need to go back to the, 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 the drawing board and come back to you with something. And you say, yeah, that is how I'm going to learn. 
So, and that, that may not be the same for everybody. I, I figured out really quickly what I needed to do to learn and get better. And all that was going on while I was praying for a gig. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't have no gig to speak of. I, in fact, the night when I got the call from, from, for, to, to get hired by Shaggy, I was on the edge of my bed looking through Monster at the time. Now we have Indeed. I was looking for a job because the music thing wasn't really happening. And I had my parents telling me, yeah, you see, I told you, you should have become a lawyer. And I'm like, nothing was happening for me while I was still trying to be the best, while I was preparing, while I was telling people around me who was working in the industry, like, yo, it would be really nice to get hired by so-and-so. It would be really nice to do this. All of that was happening at the same time. And then it creates this perfect storm of you get one phone call because I networked with somebody because I had done some work with Papa San years before and the drummer remembered that, yo, this dude engineered for us in Toronto. He know what he's doing. He, he was in a studio session with Shaggy's production manager and the production manager at the time actually said to him, yo, we're looking for a monitor engineer. And he clicked, yo, this youth in Toronto that I worked with six years ago. So it's all that happening together at the same time. There's no secret. It's going to take work. I think that you see we had we had Jason sitting over there all quiet this time and you just came with with all these gems. That's exactly why I don't send them the questions of ahead of time, guys, because you know when they're on spot, that's when the magic the magic happens. Um, but I think you brought up a lot of important points, and one of them for me was was just the business aspect of it. That's why we specifically call this the business of songwriting, music production, and sound engineering. Because I, even as an artist, um, and then having, you know, gone to school, and one of the secrets that a lot of people don't tell you guys is that school isn't always the academia part. It's not always what the content that you get a lot of times main thing you'll get out of school is networking like you don't have any idea who you're gonna brush shoulders with who may have been a fellow student and then you know they get a certain appointment or a certain position somewhere where where they recommend you and then that just opens up doors for you or you know vice versa like it's very it's very important that if you do go and like study um you not only pay attention to the content but the people that are in the room with you. But one of the points that you brought up, Jason, that I think was was very, very important and just having come to that realization myself was that the business aspect is so, 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 so important. Like I think as artists, we um, or the people who are more on the creative side kind of have a hard time separating this is my work to like this is my business. Um, and I think that that you touched on a, a lot on, on just how to unlock that because I think that really helps with making that that shift over to this is going to be a professional thing for me you kind of have to look at it as I am not just creating work and then hoping that people are going to buy it or you know I'm not just going to do this thing and say I have talent and hope that people recognize it but actually selling it as a product you know or a service to people so that was really, really important for you to, you know, bring up the attendees to even take note of because that really. If I could, if I could the... tag on to that, I don't know if I, yeah, if I could tag on to that, I think what's very important, yeah. right, is there's a couple, there's probably three reasons um, why I think 
or three or four reasons why I think people don't do well in business. Um, mm -hmm. One, one, they don't understand what their product is or, or what their, what, so I'm, I'm mm -hmm. sure with all the attendees on this call, if I, if I was to ask Denise what, what her product is or, or what type of music she does or what she's good at, she knows she's figured that out, right? Damien's mm -hmm. figured that out. He, he understands what, what his value is. So that's, that's, that's the first thing. I think the second thing is then they don't understand who their market is. So, so once you figure out what you're going to sell, you got to figure out who wants it. Right. Um, that, that's, that's like, that's like everything. Okay. I developed this new type of cereal. All right. Who eats cereal? <laughs> yeah. Cause if I'm going to market cereal to non-cereal eating people, I'm not going to yeah. be in business very long. Right. And then once I figure out who eats cereal, I need to figure out why they eat cereal. Right. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately at the end of the day, why somebody does something is much greater than the what they do. Um, it's the same when you look at, let's say, if you ask everybody in here why they do music. Um, the music is the what, but the why we do what we do, the driving force behind what we do is really ultimately what, what is the difference maker between success and ultimately failure, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and I use those terms, success and failure, very loosely because um, there's no there's no cookie cutter success or failure. It really depends on what goes you said for yourself. But at the end of the day, you have to understand what's my product. What what am I good at? We we talked about that, right? What where do I bring value? Because ultimately, people are paid millions of dollars above what they're worth because of perceived and real value. There's a and that's a whole other class of real value versus perceived value. There's some people that are very good at creating perceived value. And I, we see that nowadays with things like TikTok and these things where there's no real substance, but it's perceived and that's fine because they get paid anyway, right? So there's that real perceived value. And then there's who wants that value? Who wants what I bring to the table? Why do they want it? And then I can create a plan of one, how am I going to deliver it to them? And how am I going to market it to them? to convince them that they need what I have to offer, right? Mm -hmm. And and so so it, it once, once you can kind of, and some of us, you know, we talk about Jamaica, you know, getting a bus as an artist. I really wish at some point in our, I, I was sitting with a friend of mine who is a senator. Um, I, I, we were in New York on, on Sunday night because um, he was there for UN meetings. I was there for a show in Times Square. And, and we talked about how, how can we bring more structure um, and, and sort of like an incubator to the Jamaican music scene because mm -hmm. we can't continue to just have people figure this out by getting a bus because then we frustrate so many talented people. How can we funnel these people into now starting to help them with these parts of the conversation that most creatives I've met are very good at creating, right? Mm -hmm. They've figured out the talent side, but how can we help them now funnel into figuring out, okay, this is where you're valuable. This is who needs it. This is how you're going to get it to them. And this is how we're going to market it, right? Because I'm sure Damien will tell you, I have so many people come into the studio. They've got very good songs, very good records, but they have no idea, no concept of how these are going to make it to the world, right? And a lot of great songs and great music have died and been buried in the basements of big studios. So, so there has to be now 
these conversations are great because the question has to be asked, okay, yeah, we're, we're talented. How do we move that to the next step? And that's now understanding who is our market and how are we going to get them this information? How are we going to let them know that we have exactly what they want? I think it's, in, it's interesting that you touch on that because that that's like a main thing for me, even before moving back, um, after having like actually given, like I said, moving from the creative to actually focusing on the business as well. Um, when I'm in Jamaica, I was in Jamaica for a year and a half before this visit. And when I say you could call everybody an artist there, it's very interesting. Like you'll be on a plaza and somebody's just randomly just singing to get through their, you know, the humbum of their job or whatever they're doing. And this sounds really, really good. And one thing that I realized um, is that it's, so many people, Jamaica and, and in Canada here, so many people have the talent, the voice, the writing, the production, but they just, like you said, the converting it into, okay, this is how I get it to my market. You know, this is my market. This is how they want to consume this particular thing. Um, there's, a, a, there's an obstacle, there's a hurdle there that a lot of people haven't, you know, jumped over. Um, I want to touch on a couple of things before we switch into that Q&A. Uh, uh, can I say something quickly? Can I say something quickly before you switch, Chris? Yeah, I, think yeah, that is, I think that it's, um, it's important now that we understand that we can make money out of music. That's great. But there's a holistic spiritual side to music that's a content in, and we're talking about the many different levels of music. So we're talking from songwriters to producers to engineers to label owners and, and the way it moves progressively. And I think if we, Jamaica has a problem with, everybody thinks they have a product and majority of the people don't have any product. And the reason, and so they've gone off to marketing and they've thought so much about how great they're gonna make this money, but they, ha they don't have that, that thing that they need to spend time with that's integral, that's spiritual, that's music before they can go out and turn into business people. We suffer now in the music industry from too many people who think about it entirely as a business and not entirely mm -hmm. artistically. So I, I don't believe the, I think everybody thinks about music since Jay-Z and them came out and said it's business. Everybody's thinking about music as business. Music is magic. And I don't, for the people that are listening, while we, there are different people who have different roles in music. If you're a manager, you think about money. When I'm meeting Robert Livingston and that they want to do whatever they want to do with me, I don't want to change from being an artist, a musician, mm -hmm. a producer, because there's a magic inlaid in doing that. When we move away from that and start focusing, it's the drummer who comes into a session thinking about how much they're going to get paid versus what they're going to mm -hmm. play on the track. And I worry about that guy because mm -hmm. I don't want that guy to play on my track because he's going to budget what he plays for my track yeah. because all he's thinking about is a number and the magic doesn't happen that way, right? And there are people who can make millions out of music but still manage to keep the integral parts of music there. And that's what people are going to connect to. That in inlays the product that's going to be the magic. When you mix a song and there's a magic there, 
if you're only thinking about what you, you you're thinking about what numbers are, you're thinking about what's already been done. Because you're thinking about what you already perceive to have already been there. So I don't, while I know there's money to be made, I would rather not the people come into music, think about the money, but think about what they need to integrally own, spiritually own. If we're talking about knowing ourselves, we need to think about that aspect of the music. And just to say something to Rez about the, the academia aspect of it. I went to university for four years. I know that school can just bring you on a loop. I'm not saying not to research. We live in a time where we can go out and independently go at things and find information in like no other time before. And I have a studio because I can bring professionals into my space and learn from them. And that's the greatest experience. The same Stephen Stanley, Bulby, work with all of them and we learn from them by being beside them and seeing what they're doing, right? So I just still want to, to, I want to still be connected to the magic. When I tell my kids about music, I'm telling them about the magic of music, not the money of music, because majority of the people will not make any money out of music. So they at least are going to be able to connect with the magic of music. Even though we're talking about business, I still want people to understand that if you go, if you see a soccer player that only makes money and they have lost the magic, nobody wants to see them play. So I want to see people who can find ways. If you, if money is not your thing, get a guy who does money so you can keep the magic. Just want to touch on that. Yeah. Just because I, I think, think that's, that's what people want. A good, a good compliment and a good segue too into um, just where I was going to go in terms of like, uh, collaborating and teaming because teaming up with people um, because it kind of plays right back into like you said knowing yourself which is one of the major points that I said has come up every single time um, because then people do need to ask the question can I am I someone who can just you know create the work and team up with someone who's better at the business side and that way you have both both elements in play and and that's what you know gives it a, a better chance of success rather than being the person who's both the artist and the person selling the product um because that's where a lot of the the confusion comes into place and you have like one of two things happen inside there like you said Demi, you're gonna lose some magic off the music because even with the saturation of social media and like um reds was saying TikTok and all of that stuff I think there's one theme I've seen, like, you know, with social media now, and it's that, and you look at it and you're like, how did this person blow up? You can't seem to figure out why. But then there's a theme that I've kind of noticed, and it's that people are appreciating the the weirdness or the, um, you know, like uniqueness of of people just in their element with whatever they're showcasing on social media. So that that authenticity really has to be there. But then the other thing that happens too is, um, you know, like Jason brought up just being so on the creative too that the business side gets lost. So I feel like there has to be that compliment and it comes right back around to what we were saying about just knowing yourself is that figuring out where in the industry you need to be, especially as a creator. Like, am I someone who has a knack for both the business and the creative, or am I someone who needs to focus on bringing my magic out and find someone that I can trust to kind of help me get it to people who are gonna appreciate my magic? Um, so 
a quick question. At this point, I'm just gonna ask attendees, like if you have a question, if you have comments, um, you can send your comments in the chat, um, but I'm gonna ask you to start sending your questions to the Q&A um, just before we kind of switch over into that uh, so we can get to them as quickly as possible after. But before we switch over, um, I just kind of wanna ask Denise, you've kind of been on mute for a while, just what it's like for you in terms of um, collaborations, co-creating, um, you know, there gets, it gets to a point where you're like, okay, I need to bring, I need to get a team together. I need to bring someone on my team to manage certain stuff. That's a major part of, of this whole industry. Um, speak to us a little bit just on that, what it's like in terms of working with people, how you go about making those connections and so on. Um, I don't think there's really any one way, like, I find that during the pandemic, a lot that was happening was happening through the good old internet, you know, and sometimes people would send me, um, they send me like maybe guitar loops, for example, or, you know, uh, their own sort of loops. And that's a form of collaboration that's been happening. But mm -hmm. sometimes it really, you know, has been just like, it could be two people in a room and, you know, we're just figuring out what the vibes are and just kind of going from there. Um, but I think that the biggest thing has really just been, and, and Damien said it, just trying to focus more on the magic. You know, like I, I, I was trying to do a collaboration with somebody uh, earlier this year, a guitar player. And um, I had a song that I was looking for a guitarist and I didn't even send over the, the song over to this person. I was like, yo, just come, come by. Let's see if you know how you feel about the track. And before I could even do that, this person was asking about money. And that right there is just like, it just shut everything down in terms of us even mm -hmm. trying to collaborate and see if it's a possibility. I don't know how you're gonna vibe, but for me, collaboration, um, a big big part of it is just really figuring out a common ground and a common vibe between people and not necessarily mm -hmm. like forcing that because music, it does come from that spiritual place and if we kind of skip over that and and sometimes depending on the situation it can be a little bit difficult because mm -hmm. like for example i've done a few writing camps recently and writing camps the format of that a lot of times is they want you to go in a room with a bunch of people and create as much content as much music as you can within a given time and so mm -hmm. with that if you're trying to like Kind of especially me if I go in there as the producer and I'm trying to like pull things out of whoever I'm working with have conversations it's like you only have three hours there's only so much conversation like you just gotta like get to it and it makes it hard yeah. to kind of develop that that connection but given my choice and what I prefer I prefer to just find the right vibes with the collaboration and sometimes Sometimes even just before the collaboration happens, like you just connect mm -hmm. with some really dope people. And then you know before you guys even like talk about music or any sort of musical ideas are exchanged, you know that it's going to be some something good that's gonna come out of it. I think that's a really important point. And thank you, Dame, for bringing, bringing that into the conversation as well. Um, Cause that's, that's the basis. Like I said, I've worked with him for a very long time. Um, that's the basis of the relationship that we have in terms of why I 
why I recorded Damien. I think a lot of people who have, you know, producers and people on their team and, and so co-creators that they work with, that's very important. Um, even I guess like for Jason, the artist, I'm, I'm sure that it's probably not. I was speaking to uh, um, a guy in public relations in Jamaica recently and he's like, so what kind of music you do? Cause then everybody will promote. And it was just so interesting to just hear him, to hear someone actually say, hey, you could probably give me $100,000, $200,000. If I don't like what you do, I'm not promoting it. And that was like a hard line for him. And I think that was very, it was very refreshing to see um, because vibe as you, you know, as we call it is, is very important. Like when I go into studio with, with Demi, I know that it's not just gonna be, all right, the studio session costs this amount per hour. You know, this is the amount of hours I think it's gonna take. Okay, I'm gonna press record. You're gonna do what you have to do and pay me and leave. Um, it's so important for me, the conversation that we have the into the booth and record. Um, and it's the same with working with, with other people on production and all of that stuff. So I think that's a very important point in terms of picking people for for your team or people that you work with or um, do projects with is just having that that spiritual aspect of it because what I find too bringing it right back to business because I think they complement each other and work together when you get the right you know recipe for it is a lot of times the people who you don't vibe with are the people who are going to give you a lot of problems when the business aspect comes around and I think that's right. something that that I've, I've noticed. When you vibe with somebody, the business aspect becomes so much easier in terms of splits for royalties or coming back in the fixed stuff. It's so, so much easier than someone who you don't necessarily, you know, mesh with, with right away. Jason, you wanted to? I think it's also important. I think it's important to understand that having a strong business side does not mean that you're neglecting art. Um, for, there's, for those of us who are successful in the industry, it starts with the art first. Um, mm -hmm. It's always about the art. When, when, when we develop a new show for an artist, we just reprogram Shaggy's show as a brand new show. It's centered around the art and what he's mm -hmm. trying to convey through the art of music. So, so and, and that's kind of what I started with in the foundation. It, it doesn't mean necessarily, and, and to be honest, um, like you know denise talked about somebody who's focusing on the money first that's bad business anyway right you you can't you can't talk business before you have a product you know that's like for me yeah. that's like business 101 if we haven't even we haven't even created anything oh you're asking me yeah. about how much money is this going to be that's what i was wondering <laughs> but you know but just to, like on the flip side if i had reached out to her as a work for hire that's a different story different if I was story like, yeah you're trying to create story, together but i was trying to Absolutely. together you know Absolutely. Yeah. So I think I think it's important to understand that ultimately, um, and I always use this example, right? I, I broke a record for Carvin Winans. Um, this is probably now, it was in 2018, right? And we got it to number 14 on the Billboard Adult Contemporary Charts, which is R&B charts, mm -hmm. right? There's equal parts art and science. So what he brought to me as a record was phenomenal art. It was a song that he did with Stevie Wonder. It was it was so good. Started there with a song that they created where I came in was the science and metrics. I can tell you exactly how much money you need to spend to break a Billboard Top 15 record 
in adult contemporary right now because I know how many radio stations report to charts. I know how many radio stations need to add you as a spin. And we and 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 we released that record when Queen Niger released her first single, and we watched both those songs climb the charts at the same time. So it's never neglecting the art because it starts with the art. Regardless of TikTok, regardless of all these new things, anything that is going to last starts with, first of all, being a great song. 100% of the time. If it, right, it, one, it starts one, with one, being one, a great song. One thought here. When somebody tells me they can tell me how much money it costs to make a number one song, there are songs that are number one songs that didn't cost any money to make it a number one song. There's music that comes to life that people didn't sit down somewhere. You know how many studios I've been into where people are telling me they're going to write a number one song? And I laugh because I think it's hilarious when someone can tell me they can sit down and write a number one song. You work with Shaggy, ask him how much money it cost them to do It Wasn't Me compared to Angel. When Angel cost them so much money to make and It Wasn't Me cost them so, way less money to make. So, and it was not so I didn't song say... that was going to be the number one, right? So people, people can't really... People determine number one songs. Fans determine number one songs. The people in the world connect with songs, not just based on how much money we have to spend on a song, which I agree with you, the business is essential. But then there are things that happen. No, that no are so just hold, on, hold on, but hold on. Understand what I'm saying. I never said you can write a number one song because I, um, one of the things I live by is something that Shaggy taught me that you can't make a hit hits are found in the volume of songs that you make. So, so that's not what I said. Um, I don't but know about that. What, no, you can't sit on it. Nobody has ever wrote one song and that has been the one hit song. Hits are found in the volume. So, but here's the thing though. Number one charted songs are based on radio spins. Um, radio spins are based on like reporting radio. This is like, is the metrics of the business. So yeah, you can make a great song that doesn't go number one. But the fact of the matter is radio spins are based on pluggers who tell radio stations what songs to play, right? So there, uh, with every rule, there's an exception, right? It Wasn't Me okay. is a major exception to the rule. But every other number one song that Shaggy has, has released has been a radio plugger who goes to radio and they get spins and spins report and it charts. Like that's how songs chart, right? It Wasn't that's Me was a guy who downloaded a song on Napster, right? So it, it's very important that we understand, yes, there are exceptions to the rule that there are songs that, that, that create buzz organically, but that is the minority. That's the exception to the rule. The majority of songs that chart and go top 10 and number one, there has, there's marketing money behind it. I think to like, Drake releases, you know? If I can just jump in here. I think, I think it just goes back to, like I said, finding that perfect formula well i'm not even saying perfect because you know perfection is is a controversial term but just finding that formula that works for you in terms of a good balance of of both sides and i think like you said yes, jason yes. it just comes around to preparation meeting opportunity um because you could have you could have great songs um but if you're not prepared then you're gonna miss the opportunity. It's a lot of it is timing, and that I think that's a whole other discussion in terms of just the marketing of music. For those who are interested, we do have a workshop on that coming up soon. Um, but it's there's so many aspects to the industry, and I think a lot of the songs that we see there there are a lot of factors that come into play in terms of getting 
a song to that point of recognition, um, TikTok became a factor. We brought up TikTok so much. Like TikTok actually knocked so many things out of, okay, this is how you get here to just, hey, you're in your room vibing, you play a tune and all of a sudden you can blow up on TikTok before the song's even out. So I think it things have been changing and evolving and, and people just have to adapt and, and find that sweet spot of this is the incredible project that I have that I want people to hear and, and the, this is how I, I get there and this is how I market it or this is how I get, essentially it's how do I get other people to believe in what I believe right now and I'm putting into my, into my project. Can I just add, add something? Cause I know we have a couple yeah. of I think it's also important to really define the type of artist that you want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to be an artist that's just putting out music just because, you know, you had a bad day. So you're putting together, you know, some music. It's a hobby for you. It's nothing that you're really taking serious. Or do you want to actually be in a music business, right? Because yeah. we have art and we have commerce. And where those two meet together, there are a lot of steps and things that you need to mm-hmm. understand if you're trying to percent and be in yeah. this business. You have to... You have to get a grasp on marketing. If that's not your strength, then you find those people that maybe they're better at, at doing it than you. Like I know I'm better at the creative side and you know the marketing side, I can you know add my one too, but I don't necessarily want to take that yeah. myself. So you have to really be able to kind of like figure out the type of artist that you want to be in and that's huge. And when it comes to the business, it's the music business, you know, mm-hmm. it's a business. So you have to, you know, you, you can't be just, just holding on to, oh, but this is my art. Okay, honey, but this is the business. <laughs> so. uh, well, I think that's a great, a great note. There is um, a question we were talking about before the, we actually made the webinar live just on gender. Um, but what I'm gonna do, because we do have questions and we are in the Q and A part of everything, I'm gonna get to the questions. And if um, before we get to 7.30, there's a spot, then I'll, I'll bring that back up. You don't really um, gender. I'm a girl mm-hmm. doing that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I think, I, I, you know what's crazy? I think, I think, you know, everybody, all of us on the, on the call, and I think it's important to address because I know in a male-dominated industry, women face some real, this is being recorded and will end up on Spotify, so I can't use the word I want to use. But, but I'm saying, like, when you, whenever you meet real ones, that's not something you should have to worry about. Like I, like I mentioned, our, our first big hit on Ranger Music was a female producer. Um, and, and when I say she has some bangers, we got some stuff coming that she's that she's behind. She's an incredible writer and producer, and and I see her. She's always been a peer. She's mm-hmm. always been yeah. a voice in the studio. So I think I think when you come in contact, you, you talk about your vibe with Damien. When you come in contact with a real one, that's something yeah, very so good. You know what I mean? That's and, and anybody who's still doing that stuff, they it is something. I can that's I can second that too. I definitely agree with that. I agree with you on, on Black Orchid as well. She was um she was featured in our virtual festival 2021, yeah. I believe. But uh, but uh, but uh, just just a, just a note to that though. There's still mm-hmm. men in the music business that are going about the music for their own side intentions. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I I can I can't even speak to what you guys are talking because you know we work together. I don't really yeah. see the world like that. But there are a lot of men 
when I hear them, when you guys leave the studio, I hear what they say and I think, wow, if you was alone in the studio with this person, this is not, this is not well intended. So I can only, I, I like, I, I know there's, it's, it's crazy. It's, un, yeah, there's, there's it's ridiculous. There's definitely situations, but I never like to like walk into a room and for someone to yeah. identify like, oh my gosh, you're a female. No, yeah. like don't even, and, and I don't, Personally, I think like there's only so much talking that we can do. Like the action just needs to be like, yo, mm -hmm. if you're a male and you you think of like somebody dope to do the job, hopefully there's like a female that you could pull from, you know, your little whatever. Yeah. And I don't recommend this. I think it's more about that allyship because there's a yeah. lot of us dope females out there. And I think that we're a little bit more quiet and kept. Like when you're looking on the credits, you don't see a lot of females. Yeah. There's a lot of like, whenever I'm talking about, you know, any females want to learn, there's a lot of women that'll kind of raise their hand. Like, oh my gosh, yeah, me, I just didn't know where to start. So we're out here. It's just, we just yeah. need more of like the access and the opportunities. And I think it's a good thing that you even bring that up. Cause I remember, I remember, well, I think I mean, I've just started Harris. I can't remember, but I was in studio with Damien. There was someone there, um, and we were we were playing one of the tracks that I uh, produced. And he was like, "So who did the beat?" I'm like, "Me." And you know, like me and Damien, it's for me and Damien, it's a regular thing. Like I come in with my tracks and I record, you know, and he'll kind of guide me through in terms of recording and so on. So that's that's one of the reasons I'm like, I want to have that conversation because for so many people, it's like, like that's, that's not even a thing. Yeah, like, I why need is to have a conversation, but we need to yeah. get to the you know? Because <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I think that's a lot of it. Like there's, I, I believe from my experience, you know, like a lot of people have moved on from this like gender dynamic, especially with, production and engineering um because once upon a time like females were like the artists you know like for a mm -hmm. lot of reasons um it's in terms especially yeah like selling yeah. music and so on that that was such a big thing but i think what's happened is that we've most people have moved on from the actual like okay like male versus female in the industry but a lot of females haven't been able to move on from like what was the feeling that's left over in terms of like okay i know it's nothing to me and a lot of people for a lot of people it's like nothing um but there's still this like almost like a hesitation because there's this there's this leftover void that okay we've addressed like there's equality and we want to have that kind of equality but there's still this hesitancy in terms of okay when i walk into this room are these people like with it and with the fact that that's, this is no longer a thing, or is is it still going to be? I don't think it's, never not like, be a thing. Know, I don't think it's a matter of moving on. I think we've just gone from a point of like, okay, we've talked about it. Now hire me. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. let's yeah. just let, put the action yeah. behind the talk. Yeah. So I think that's that's a great point because I think I think that kind of just hits the nail on the head. Like, the conversation has been had, um, mm -hmm. but it's now. You know, the action part is always the part that like action, not a bad We're gonna leave it right there. That's yeah, a perfect okay. also. Um, let me get to some of these questions. I apologize, I realized that the chat was disabled. Um, it wasn't allowing anyone to send anything in there. 
Um, thank you to the attendee who let me know that. If you guys wanna go ahead and put anything in, you can do that now because it's open to everyone. But um, so someone here was just saying, thank you to everyone. You dropped a lot of gems in this workshop, super knowledgeable and I appreciate it. Um, we have a question here. When people judge music, they judge the art itself, sound, composition, etc. As artists, we sometimes feel that people are judging us since we put ourselves into our art and fail to understand that they aren't being critical of us, but our end product. How do you not take feedback or comments personally or let it affect you negatively? Um, so I don't, I feel like this may be a Denise and Demi question in terms of the artist side, but Jason, if you do feel like jumping in, just um, I'm sure that people have had their their comments on your work, positive or negative, mm -hmm. so you can feel to jump ahead as well. Um, but I don't know if one of the artists on the panel want to take it. Uh, you know what, I, I think when you can kind of like separate yourself from the music and recognize that the music is composed of all of these different pieces, yeah. maybe there's something that you're missing that somebody else may have knowledge on and you want to get their feedback. You're not trying to get the feedback for them to tear you down. But if someone like if you send a song to somebody like I, I had a song, a, a demo that I've been working on. And then I sent it to somebody they were like, yeah, it sounds good, but it feels like there's something missing from the bottom end. So it's not like I took that personally and I was like, oh, mm -hmm. shoot, they don't like my song. It's they gave me they gave me like the proper feedback. And that's also the other thing, too. You also have to be able to recognize when people are giving you the type of feedback that you need to grow in your sound or to you know grow in whatever song or music you're working on or are they trying to tear you down so yeah and my answer my, my answer to it as well even from an engineer perspective i sent a, a track that i produced and sung on and the, the mastering guy was saying oh there's no kick drum and i don't like what the kick drum is and i after doing this for so many years i was still offended and mm -hmm. just to say that I am going to get offended, but I'm interested in my product. So I'm able to separate myself and my offense. I go away for three days. I get pissed off and I go back and I realize that he's right. And I go work at the track because my interest is in getting better. And I can be offended. You have to be That's a part of the thing. But yeah. I need to just reflect on it and then take there's a passage in the Bible that says fools are offended by words and wise men take counsel. So mm -hmm. if you're, if, if you're offended by the words and then you take it in and you realize, wow, there's something in it. And if it's garbage, it's just garbage. It's like, if, the, if you realize, nah, 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 that's garbage. Get out of here. You got to be able to see. And it, the offense never goes away. When you put your heart and soul in anything at all, when people, mm -hmm. Or, or don't like it or for whatever it's just you just kind of learn that if i'm interested in what i'm doing and i want to grow i have to take offense too like as a part of what i'm going to do to grow because it's just how it is people aren't going to like you can have a room uh reds can be mixing at a whole stadium full of people and there's going to be a hundred people in there that's like i don't like it and then there's going to be 50,000 people in there that like it. So it's like, uh, yeah, you do that. You, I, I think you one one you have to have thick skin to be in this industry um, because because music is so subjective. Like, um, you know, what I mean, it, it, it's so subjective. 
Um, but I think on top of that goes to what I was saying earlier about having truth tellers that you trust, that you know that these people have your best interests at heart. I have three or four guys, um, including my mastering engineer that and, and Zavi, who masters for me, has Grammys and did Jesse Royal's album. Like when I send these things, when I send things to these guys, I expect honest feedback because we're all pulling for the same thing. We all trying to make great records. You get what I'm saying? So I know if Zavi calls me, like, you know, when the master and engineer say, oh, boss, the kick, welcome to the kick drum, fix the kick drum. It's not because he wants to tear me down. It's because he wants that when he masters this record, we're going to have success on the record. We all, we all push in for the same thing. So it, having truth tellers in your life that you trust is huge because I remember Veer, Veer my best friend, who is like, in my opinion, right now, the greatest engineer for, for reggae music live, it hands down. And, and Veer came to one of my shows and he said, bro, this, I was mixing and it's the first time I was mixing the artist. And no, he lied. It was that show. You'd watch an Instagram video. And he said, listen, you have to fix up that mix because that's all like some high class shit. <laughs> He's all like, it, it, it's sonically, yeah, but the mix now go on. You have, you have to, and it, it's never been, yo, Man, I deal with myself. It's been yo, all right. So what, what I need to do? What do I need to create? How do I create separation in the mix? How do I bring out that definition that you're talking about? What am I doing wrong with effects? Oh, what what going on with the dub section? How do I dub better? And I, because I know all of us, all, all of that circle of people around me, all want to see us move in that direction where we are pulling for the same thing. So when you talk about creating your space and having people around you. You, mm -hmm. you, you're going to have to do some dissection and figure out, listen, this person I'm a back or, and sometimes every now and then people, listen, the truth of it is people you thought may have had your back. Every now and then you have to do some, some, some honest retrospection and say, all right, do I need to readjust? Do I need to, because you grow and you move away from, you know what I mean? Some people are only in a life for a season, but that is important because sometimes if I send a mix to a client, before I send a mix to a client, I bounce that off of my inner circle already. So I know mm. I, I make about 50 revision already because they <laughs> say, yo, boss, your kick drum so terrible. And then Dean say, yo, the snare drum will work. And obviously that's balanced against some, against some of your own experience and confidence. Mm. But having that, that team, that, that inner circle that can say, yo, um, let's, you know what I mean? is ultimately going to make you a better person. So you just have to have thick skin and then you have to have people that you trust that you know. Yo, if them man say this, them have the experience, them have the, the credibility in my life to say, yeah, if them you say this, we can move that direction. Exactly. That was one, 100. One thing that I was going to add in too, um, just from my experiences, you do need these people around you. Um, but Reds, you got to it as well. But they are around you to, to be your sounding boards and to actually like... Mm. Um, you know, offer that advice when needed. Sometimes you don't even ask for it, but you get it and you need it. Um, yeah. But also there's a, there's a balance with everything and there's a balance in terms of your dependency on their advice. Because yeah. sometimes you become, it's like you can't release thing unless all of these people say, yeah, it's good. And sometimes, no you know, yeah. it comes back to like what we were saying, knowing yourself. Sometimes yeah. you may have half of the group that's like, oh, it's not you. And then 
you listen to it and you feel something when you listen to it and you put it out and other people feel that as well or or even like Brett's case like mixed um mixing something or or even doing live sound and in himself he feels that this this is it and you may have like half the group that's like mm, that wasn't it but then you realize majority of the people who then give you feedback having been at the show or having heard the record they're they're mm -hmm. like i love that new song or i love what you're doing because sometimes the people you have to remember like the people in your circle are human too and they may get humans love familiarity and let's say you're trying to like switch to a different genre that may end up being more you or may end up being where you find that success and just because you know they're used to getting a certain thing from you they, they they're not with it so you know it comes right back to like he said have taken it with a grain of salt knowing but that another, another thing to add to that too is that yeah. you gotta you gotta know what you're working towards and mm. if the advice is going to be something that's bringing you closer to what you're working towards it's going to help you but if the advice if i know what i want you could tell me till you're blue what you think. You're not getting me to come that way because I know mm -hmm. that's not going to bring me to that way. So you already have to have, so like the guy's telling me, yo, the kick drum need this. I put in like 50 kick drums. Then he told me, yo, the kick drum from way back round so was yes. way better than that kick drum. I'm like, bro, yeah. you sound confused yeah. now. Because see, mm -hmm. people like, so if you don't know what you really want now, then you can go down that rabbit hole and get really... Uh, like the engineering thing get really confused about where you're where you are so at some point you got to be able to stick out for your art what mm -hmm. you need to stick out for your art to keep it where you want it uh just to, just to the, the the person who asked the question get a, the thick skin necessary a lot of people are going to say a lot of things when you go into studios some people want to get two words in your song so they're going to try to change two words in your song so they can mm -hmm. get in your song there's a lot of things that people do in the music business. We're not even, you're talking about business, talk about the shady part of the business where people are trying to get uh -huh. into things. So you kind of have to be firm too, right? So I don't know, just yeah, it's hard a lot of things to think about. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of balance, but but like Denise said, you you learn to fly the, the plane and learn yeah, everything while else you're <laughs> while you're flying it. So, yeah, I'm just making so that. It, it, it's it's all a balance and a learning experience. Um, we have to res. Okay, res. They calling you specifically. Uh, how much? Yeah, I read, I, yeah, You read. It? I read. I read the question. Um, I'd encourage uh, dupes to hit me up on um, IG or something. That's fine. We can discuss it more in detail. Um, a lot of what it costs depends on how many radio stations report. Um, so, so a lot of marketing and, and I'm sure you're going to hear more in your marketing, in the marketing session that you guys do. Um, but, but charting a song, um, and, and may, bear in mind, we're talking about radio charting, um, not iTunes charts. We're talking about like moving up billboard charts or radio spin charts depends on how many, first you have to, you have to find out how many radio stations report in that category in North America, because you, you can focus market depending on region like you can market in europe and uk you can do north america separate so if you're asking about dancehall specifically for example it costs way less money to to break and chart a dancehall song in north america because we don't have commercial radio stations necessarily that play and report to dancehall charts it costs a little bit more to break it in in the uk for example but it dancehall afrobeat now is starting to cost more because afrobeat is obviously on an upswing 
cost way less than hip hop because hip hop is an established genre. So you probably in, in America alone, you probably have about 170 stations that report and, and move charts in hip hop versus with dancehall and Afrobeat, you're looking at probably only in dancehall, maybe 20 stations that, that report um, from terrestrial radio and satellite radio included, right? So you don't, it, it, it costs a lot less money just to give you a, a, a general idea um, in terms of what you need to, to get radio spins. But, um, and, and, and it also depends on if that genre, if you need to chart a song, you understand? Like for, for if, if you want the spin-off of touring and everything that comes with it, then you, you're gonna need charting, right? Like charting, that's, that's I think what a lot of young dancehall artists don't necessarily get right now. You can't get great touring opportunities if you're not moving radio spins. Like radio still factors in to, to, to building a successful touring brand and not just um, terrestrial radio, internet radio moves that needle as well. Um, satellite radio moves that needle as well. So, so you're gonna have to you, you're gonna have to do some research in your genre specifically and and what you're trying to what you're trying to build. Figure out what what the outcome needs to look like. You don't go and bake a cake starting with ingredients. Figure out what kind of cake you want first, right? Denise hits on that. You know what kind of artist you want to be. Damien hit on that. He's like, yo, what are you what are you trying to accomplish? So figure out figure out what you want first. You know, what kind of cake? If it's red velvet cake, then you know you need X, Y, Z ingredients, right? And then you can start to figure out what you need to do from there. And and hopefully there's more, more vehicles like Afrowave TO, like Jaria, they're trying to do stuff in Jamaica to bring that education and connect people with the people that know this information. Um, they're out there. It's, it's just really trying to... And get involved in anything you see. There's stuff like advanced... Um, anything that's pushing the culture, you got to get out there. If it, if it costs you a little bit of money to register for these things, I, I would recommend it. Go out there and meet these people who are there. Because like I said, the people who have the information are out there. Um, sometimes it just takes a little bit to, to find them, but you will. And it starts with the magic, Damien. It starts with the art. <laughs> got to have a... Gotta have a good song. If you don't have a good, if you have a good song, this doesn't matter. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't matter. Gotta have a good song. So we just have someone here praising all your advice. Um, saying they appreciate the insight. And I can echo that as well. I have gone ahead and thrown in all the panelists' um, Instagram handles so that you can reach out to them. Um, if you have any other question that you weren't able to get in today. Um, I know we've gone over our 7.30, but just before we go out, I'm just going to give all the panelists just a chance to just give you a really quick thing on, you know, what they have upcoming and where you can reach them and check out what they're doing. Denise, do you want to start? Um, for me, I'm working on a few projects for next year. Uh, producer project solo EP and then a longer uh, solo project. So that's mm -hmm. what I have going on. And I'm always collaborating mm -hmm. and just working on music with our different artists. Sounds good. Damien, how about you? Um, we're doing some big moves um, label-wise now. So um, really looking to make a big move um, between now and so just follow what's going on on my page and then all the other links to 
to what's really going on. And and then a part of the thing is kind of like moving in silence too, you know, because I know nobody wants to really talk about it, but the, it's a very, like, uh, new things that you can do. Sometimes you kind of keep it on the hush because you, the reality is that there's lots of things going on out there. People want ideas, right? So um, in terms of your art artistry, some people are dropping their 15 seconds on, on, on TikTok and people are stealing them and turning them into songs. Not to say that that's, whatever, but more things coming, you know what I mean? So uh, working in the studio and working on building more studios and looking to build studios in places that people need studios. So that's really what I'm working on doing and being a part of the back end of the music. Awesome. And Jason? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm very active on Instagram, so you'll always know what I'm up to if you follow me on Instagram. But um, I, I current stuff, Julie Black is releasing an album tomorrow, Three, three Rocks and a Slingshot. It's independent. Um, I have two songs on that record, um, Fufu Gyal and um, Time for Jesus, which was released as a single. So that's, that's current. Um, yeah, we have some EPs finishing up, but and I'm always touring. I'm on the Legacy Awards this week. So I'm the front of house music mixer for the Legacy Awards, which is, which is a black um, black owned black award show um, it'll be airing on cbc on sunday night so if you're if you're around check it out um i'm part of the crew for that show so that's what i got going on currently all right sounds good i see that someone sent in a lot another question i am actually gonna cut questions off just because i do wanna we already over it but i want to try to at least honor the time a little bit better um what i can recommend is i've thrown all the instagram handles into the chat um feel free to reach out to the panelists um but we do have i see that this is specifically a budgeting question our next workshop is actually um, on financial literacy. So everyone feel free to register for that. The link is already in our bio. Um, we talk a lot after wave about how to get funding and all of that. So this year we're just like, you know what, we've told you how to get the money. Time for us to tell you how to manage the money because a lot of artists um, are struggling with that aspect of it as well. Um, so feel free to register for that and our third workshop as well. Those links are up and we'll throw the other three up um shortly i want to thank everyone panelists first thank you so much for dedicating your time and giving us all this information it was information for me as well so i'm pretty sure that our attendees learned something and it was really great just having this conversation with all of you um and just being able to kind of explore this side of the industry i want to thank the attendees as well for coming on there is it's a boring workshop without you. So I want to thank all of you coming in, dropping your questions in and um, being a part of this. Uh, like I said, this session is recorded and will be put up on our Spotify and our YouTube um, once our series are out for anyone that you want to send that link to or if you just want to go over everything that we learned today. But thank you so, so much to everyone and I wish you all a great night. Bless up.